0: always blessed john thank you so much david and kevin could i get you guys to move the pulpit over into the corner and while you do i'm going to tell you a short story my children's story i pointed out through a psalm the need for us to trust in the lord and of course we only trust in god when things work out the way that we want them to right Didn't hear a resounding yes or a definitive no on that one. So it sounds like there's some uncertainty about this. Let me explain. Um, (laughs) You trust God whether things work out or not, right? Trusting in God is the foundation for success in life, period. And sometimes things work out the way that we like them to. And sometimes things work out completely the opposite of the way that we want them to. And in either situation, trust in the Lord. On Wednesday, our house was under contract guess it technically still is under contract, for selling at a full price offer. The appraisal came in a hundred thousand dollars low. That offer cannot continue. And on Wednesday, my wife and I experienced a little bit of that tightening in the tummy that you get when something doesn't go your way. What exactly do we do now? Can we trust in the Lord? We thought he was leading in this way, Doors were opening, and now it seems like one has just shut that we thought he'd opened. What is going on? And we had not a crisis of faith, but a moment where we had to double down on our faith. And that's something that we all have to do at various points, right? There's a face-the-reality moment where we have to say, do I trust God in this moment even when it doesn't look good? Like Joseph being marched behind a bunch of camels as a slave. From favorite son to slave. That does not feel like a time when you should trust God, and yet that is exactly the time God needs us to double down on our trust in him. Um, maybe next time I'm here I can tell you the end of that story, um, but I'll leave it hanging for now. What will God do? All right, so I'm going to tell you a story In first person, as though I'm somebody who I'm not. I'm telling you this just to make sure, for those of you who don't know me in the room or haven't heard me speak before, that that you understand what's going on. So, I'm going to tell a story of Judah. And this is my testimony the story of how God saved me simply by His grace. I was born the son of a prophet, the third in his family to receive the covenant promise of God. God promised him that that he would bless him, that he would give him lots of property and increase his flocks and give him lots of children, and that he said that his inheritance would be the land of Canaan, like the whole land of Canaan. That's my dad. Now, my story really begins with my father. He was troubled. He grew up a, a deceiver, a trickster. He tricked his brother and it, it was so bad, he cheated him, and it was so bad that he had to flee or he'd be killed. And he ended up with just the clothes on his back and a walking stick um, in my town or the town of my my mom. And he fell in love with my mom's sister, Rachel. And he got back what he gave because he was cheated when, when he wanted to marry my Aunt Rachel or my stepmom, Rachel. Um, anyway, when when he wanted to marry her, my grandpa tricked him and snuck Leah, my mom, into his bed that marriage night. He was not happy, and honestly, neither was my mom. He ended up marrying Rachel too, and Rachel was clearly the favorite. And and so my mom, when she had her first son, she named him Reuben and said, maybe Jacob will love me now because God has given me a son. He didn't. And so she named her second son, Simeon, and then said, surely he'll love me now that I've given him two sons. Nope, nothing really changed. Then Levi came along, and and she said something similar. Surely he's going to have affection for me now. This is the third one I've given him. And then I came along. I'm the fourth. And, And she kind of was still clinging to hope, but maybe a little more reality had set in by them, and she just said, praise the Lord. And that's really what my name means, Judah. It's very much like the Hebrew word yada, which means praise. And if you take the the, the uh, Dalef out of my name in Hebrew, it's spelled just like Yahweh, praise God. That's That's my name. And yet my life did not feel like praise to God. I mean, growing up, My dad always liked his wife, Rachel, better than my mom, which meant that we were kind of lower down on his list. And he he just didn't pay as much attention to us as he probably should have as a father. When uh, several years later, Joseph was born, it was as if he could do no wrong and we could do no right. He was the perfect son. And everybody knew that even though Reuben was the first, Joseph was absolutely going to get the birthright blessing. Well, jealousy between my mothers just went all throughout the family. I mean, they were fighting all the time, um, trying to get Jacob's attention, trying to get um, resources and, and uh, stuff that they needed for their different kids and whatnot. And, and we were fighting all the time amongst ourselves. And one day, uh, Joseph, who we despised, Came into the camp where we were watching sheep, and Joseph. We were so mad at Joseph. Somebody suggested that we that we just kill him. And it was just kind of an offhanded suggestion, but you know how things go when you're mad already. Um, somebody else was like, "Yeah, we should." And then pretty soon, that's what we were going to do. And so we we stripped him of his coat. We threw him in a pit, and uh, and then. Now, this is kind of, you need to know something about me. I'm, I'm kind of a leader. Um, I'm, I'm, people think of me as a lion. Like, I can, I can step up and, and uh, get people to do what I want them to do. And, and so I, I looked at the situation, and I realized maybe, maybe it would be better, instead of killing him, maybe it'd be better if we got some money from him. And I saw some traders coming by, and I said, let's sell him as a slave. And that's what we did. Everybody changed their minds, agreed with me, and, and we sold Joseph as a slave. I am not proud of that moment. Did I mention that my family was a mess? Reuben, the oldest, he got caught in bed with my father's concubine, Bilha. That was not a good moment. Then the two... Next oldest brothers Simeon and Levi. After our younger sister Dinah was raped uh, again, my family is a mess. All kinds of bad things have happened. Um, she was raped by a guy in a nearby town, and uh, they conniving and sneakily cheated them and suggested this idea that if they get circumcised, then we'll trade, you know, and, and marry intermarry with them and and trade with them and whatnot. And when they when they did it, they agreed. Simeon and Levi went and killed every man in that village. And then the, the rest of us, we, we went in and we got all of the, all the goods, um, all the, the children and all the women, and we, we took them into our camp. Made my dad mad. He was so mad. He, he packed up and we left to Bethel that afternoon because he was afraid that people, all the people around would come and kill us. I had a messed up family. And you know, after the Joseph thing and, and uh, all that had happened, I just, I didn't want to be around him anymore. I was done with him, and I left. I, I went to uh, Abdullah, and I married a Canaanite woman, and I had three sons with her. Ur, Onan, and uh, and Sheila were the three boys. And when Ur became old enough, I married him off to one of the local girls, a girl named Tamar. And uh, but let's just say I wasn't a good father. My dad wasn't a good dad. I, I was definitely not a good dad. When my youngest son, Sheila, was born, I was, I was around so little that I was, I was gone during his birth, and for quite some time after he'd been born, I wasn't even there. And that was kind of this story. I, I had left my family. I had left my God, and, and that's kind of what I did. I, if it was awkward, if it was uncomfortable, if it wasn't um, something that, that was pleasing to me, I was going to either push it away like I did Joseph or run away like I did from my family. And that's kind of what I did with my kids because I don't know if you know this or not, but kids can be a little bit difficult sometimes. And, and it, I, didn't, I didn't teach Ur how to live. In fact, Ur was such a bad kid. And again, I take responsibility for that he did some wicked things, and God struck him dead. So the way that we do it is um, because we don't have the social systems like you guys have. Um, If a woman has uh, her husband die, then she marries a closest kin, like a a a brother, and then he will give her a son that will be the heir of his brothers, you know, her first husband's, Uh, property and that way she's protected and she's provided for and she's she's never going to be without um, care Uh, but ur didn't leave her a child and and so i gave her onan the second and uh onan was no better than ur he was happy to sleep with her but he made sure he took measures to make sure that that she never had a, a child and god was so angry with her him for not caring and protecting her, that he struck Onan dead too. And don't get me wrong, he had plenty of other things that God could have brought justice on. But in that moment, I did the exact same thing I'd done all my life. I sent Tamar away. I said, go back to your own Family, to your father's house. Um, I'll give you Sheila, but I was not about to give her Sheila because if she took Sheila as her husband, I mean, this woman was cursed. Sheila would die too. I wouldn't have any heirs. So I wasn't about to do that. One day my, my wife died, and, and I went through the mourning process, and, and uh, I was out taking care of the sheep, you know, doing the things that I do. And I was near the town of Timna. And, uh, well, I saw a woman there, and she was, it looked like she was a temple prostitute, and so I said, can I, can I come to your house? And we worked out payment agreements, but I didn't have what she wanted with me, and so um, she suggested I leave my staff and my seal and the satchel that I carry my seal in, and so I did. I left that, said I'd come back I'd send a servant back with uh, the the payment, and she could give the servant the insurance that I had provided with those things. Uh, the servant never found her. Like when when they the servant got there, uh, he said, "Where's the temple prostitute?" And they said, "We don't have a temple prostitute." And he couldn't find the woman. It was a few months later, three three months later to be exact, and uh, the things well, let's just say everything hit the fan. But before I tell you that, I need to take you to the end of my story. Well, not quite, but, but to the end of my dad's story, at least. My dad, on his deathbed, he called all 12 of us together. The fact that there's 12 is a different story. I won't tell that now, but we, he called all 12 of us back together and he started to give us his blessing. Reuben, of course, should have gotten the first blessing. Um, he was the firstborn but uh, he he didn't have very much nice things to say about him he he said something like this you were the firstborn the strength of my youth you ranked first but you're as unsteady and unpredictable as a flood of waters you will be the firstborn no longer well we knew that was coming it's joseph who's the firstborn joseph gets that blessing nobody's going to give it to reuben because joseph's the favorite right and then he he says to Simeon and Levi You two are just alike, weapons and instruments of violence. May I never be part of their plans. I will scatter them among the descendants and disperse them among Israel. He was going to say something about as bad to me. And yet he didn't. This is what he said. If you want to read it, you can turn into Genesis 49 and verse 8 and following. He said, Judah, your brothers will praise you. When he said that, to be honest, it cut my heart deep because I knew I was not somebody that they should praise. He said, you will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. I I expected him to say this to Joseph because it already happened by then. But he said it to me. He said, Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey like a lion he crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. And then he said something that I knew was exactly like the promise God had given him. It says, the scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. He ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of his donkey to a choice vine. He washes his clothes, clothes in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth are whiter than milk. Now, that last part, I can't tell you all the details, but it sounded like he was talking about this, this king that would someday come, more than he was talking about me. And it, it, it struck me, as he said this, that he had just given me the birthright blessing and the covenant promise of God. Why me? What had I ever done to deserve that? How could I be worthy of that great honor? Clearly, I I don't deserve an honor like this. So all I can say is that the honor came to me because of God's immeasurable grace. People have sung songs about this. Uh, there's one in Psalm 78, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. That sounds a lot like me. And then it says, he rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, Joseph's kid, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. God chose me. In spite of my brokenness, in spite of me running away, God chose me. Honestly, it still doesn't make a lot of sense, but but here's what I can tell you. I want to tell you about a moment where God broke me, and I realized what was really wrong. Now, you have to understand, I came from a broken family with all kinds of a mess, and my heart was messed up because of it. And I would, anything that was hurtful, I would run away from or I would push away, right? That's my background. So three months after my visit to Timnah, my servant came back from town one day and said, Tamar has played the harlot. She's pregnant. I was furious. I was so angry at that moment that she would have done that, that I, I, I yelled out, Bring her out and let her be burned and you know what they were going to do it they they went they got her from her father's house, they started taking her out out of town and they were gonna stone her and burn her alive that, that's what they were going to do but but as they brought her out of their out of her house, she had these things that I had given her sent them by a servant to me and said. It is by the man to whom these belong that I am pregnant. And instantly, it was like all of the sin and all of the hurt and all of the past just flashed before me, and I realized I have lived every moment of my life trying to solve my problems by pushing them away or by running away. And in this moment, it's so public and so obvious what my problem is. I can't run away anymore I'm at the bottom, and, it, and it's all because I've, I've abandoned God. Uh, one of the reasons that I didn't want to give Tamar to Shelah is because I wanted descendants, but if I were to think carefully about it, I would know that God had promised Jacob to be the father of many nations. He said kings would come from him. That means that my children will have children. That's a promise from God, and I had rejected God and rejected his promises. I had not trusted in him, and instead trusted in my own ways and my own plans, and that had led me to be a bad father, and two of my children had died. That had led me to the point where I would say, go burn this innocent woman alive, and it and it broke me, and I said, she has been more righteous than I because I didn't give her to marry my son, Sheila. And of course, that's what I said out loud, but all this stuff was going through my mind as well. All these other sins. And in that moment, I said, Lord, I will trust in you. I didn't take Tamar to be my wife. I did bring her into my family and I protected her and I made sure that she had the inheritance that was due for her. My life changed after that. I took a look I took my family to live with the rest of my siblings and uh, with my father, and then one day there was a famine in the land. It was so bad that for uh, hundreds of miles around, nobody had any food, and we had run out of food, and so my dad heard that there was food in Egypt, and he, he sent all of us boys to Egypt, well, 10 of us, because since Joseph had left, Benjamin was his favorite son, and he held him really close and protected him and tried not to to, to let him out of his sight. And so he didn't send Benjamin. He sent the 10 of us, and we went to Egypt and found that the regent there um, treated us kind of suspiciously. He suggested that we were spies, um, tried to ferret out any information he could about our family, found out that, that Benjamin was at home and hadn't come, and so he said, don't come back unless you bring that other brother because he wanted to prove, I guess, that we weren't spies. Well, we got back home, we told our father about it, and he was angry with us. Why'd you tell him that you had a younger brother? Made it as though it was all all our fault. Still, we could do nothing right. We ran out of food. Reuben said, we need to go back. Um, Please send Benjamin with us so we can go back and get food. And Jacob, my father, said, "No." And so we we tried to subsist on whatever we could find. And finally, when it was just absolute, no reason, there's no way we could survive unless we went and bought more food. um, I stood up and I said, I will be surety for Benjamin. And I, I knew my heart had changed, but in that moment where I finally was willing to say, I'll give my life in place of Benjamin's, so that no harm could come to him. that That's when I knew God had done something different in me. Well, we, he ended up coming with us. We went there, and the regent took us in, and, I, and something was weird. He he fed us food, which was strange. He hadn't done that before, and then he gave Benjamin five times as much food as the rest of us, just showing him this extreme honor, and then when we left, the the soldiers came chasing after i think he was his his personal guard came chasing after us and and he accused us of stealing and then when we got back they opened up all the bags and the the silver cup that he said we'd stolen was in benjamin's bag and the regent said benjamin will be my slave and suddenly my resolve was tested and i had to say will i stand in his place or not and i did God had done something in my heart, so I was willing to say, take me instead. And in that moment, Joseph, who we just had, we found out was the regent, dropped all the facade, and he started speaking in our language, and he said, I'm Joseph, your brother. He drew us all in in this big hug. It was incredible. Trusting in God, had never been so sweet. Well, Joseph made sure that we knew that he didn't hold any of the stuff that we had done against us. He said that what we had intended for evil, God had intended for good. And with that one assurance of forgiveness, my heart which had held on to this deceitfulness for so long, finally began to heal. Uh, we, we had been, even after this moment of repentance with Tamar, and coming back to my father's family, we still kept the, the facade, the lie. Every time he'd bring up Joseph and, and mourn, we would, mm, yeah, so sad that he's gone, even though we knew that we had sold him into slavery. And in this moment, where I was exposed, my sin was known, I finally could heal. Of course, we had to tell our dad what had happened when we went back, and Joseph's alive, what, you know, how did he get to eat? Well, here's the story, and he was mad, but he forgave us, and we ended up back in Egypt, and our family was reunited and whole again. And that's my story about God's amazing, saving grace. Judah's story is an incredible story of redemption. We don't know a lot of those details about how his life went. We just have these interesting highlights. But what we do know is that moment when, when he faced his sin, exposed, that was the moment that grace could do surgery on his heart and transform him from trusting in his ways to trusting in God. And isn't that the experience that we all have to have? It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian all your life, the son of a prophet, or just brand new to experiencing who Jesus is. In any circumstance we're in, it takes that moment where God breaks our hearts and exposes us and we realize this there's something that God has to do. I can't do this on my own. If Judah could be saved by God's grace, is it possible that you could be saved? Yes. If Judah could be saved, is it possible that your children could be saved? Even if maybe they didn't have the best parents growing up. Is it possible that God could reach them and break their heart and save them by his grace? I believe it is. And, and honestly, Jacob experienced the same thing Judah did. If you follow Jacob's life, there was a moment where he had to be broken as well. Jacob, Judah, and every person since has had to have that experience. Now, interestingly, God promised that Judah would be the, the father of kings, and it really was only one king that mattered. That king is King Jesus, and in Jesus' line, Judah Well, he's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah is his father, but also Tamar is his great 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 cetera, grandmother Tamar, a pagan woman who was used by God to show Judah what grace was like. Hmm. God promised that he would have a king as his descendant, And that promise is for us too. A brother, a father, a king, a redeemer, a savior, the lion of the tribe of Judah, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's not just somebody who's coming. He already did come once to save us, but he's coming again. And this time he says he's coming to bring us home with him. He's coming to to reunite us so that we can be whole again and all of our wounds bind it up. Would you stand with me and sing a song, a song of saving grace, a song?